The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Monday, Monday, Monday. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another week of Fantasy NBA Today. Welcome to another week of just playing fantasy basketball. This is the aforementioned show. I'm not going to say the name twice in 10 seconds, or will I? Yeah, I will. Fantasy NBA Today, the name of the show. I am Dan Basbris. Welcome to the pod, everyone. I've been told you're not supposed to call it a podcast. You're supposed to call it a show. But it's a podcast. I'm okay with that. I don't feel like that's demeaning in any way. You guys listen to a pod about fantasy basketball. So thank you all for listening, as always. Uh, good to kind of get back into a normal flow now, I think is maybe the best way to describe it. It's January the 4th. We're, it's our first, uh, well, I guess we did do a show on Friday. So it's our, this is sort of our first normal daily show during the new year. Friday was the week in review episode, which... Seems like a lot of you guys enjoyed. That format is one we've been using for uh, a couple of seasons now. Well, maybe last year and this year? I don't remember. They all run together a little bit. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that, kind of going back through the week, rolling up all of the days. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday all get kind of rolled up into Friday. We break down the ads, the drops, the holds, the buys, the sells, all that good stuff, and then preview the weekend. So that way when we do these Monday shows, which... I refer to as reverse chronological lightning round Monday because it's fun and it rolls off the tongue. You guys will kind of understand how we bookend the weekend. The Friday is the look ahead. Here's what we're looking for. Here's what we're either hoping happens or are on the the prowl for happening. And then Monday, we figure out what actually did happen and reset things for the week ahead. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from Hoopball. That's a very easy way to find me because my last name is not that great to spell on an audio-only podcast. This is a Hoopball show, and Hoopball is hoop-ball.com. That's the website. There's a hyphen in between hoop and ball. And the Twitter feed is at Hoopball Fantasy. That's where I get all my, my basketball news. When I'm sitting in front of my computer all day, I can watch the Twitter feed scroll and scroll and scroll, and I'll see everything as it breaks when the the beat writers list it. But when I have to leave my machine, like yesterday, I was away from my computer for a few hours in the middle of the day, which is weird. I'm terrified of the outside. Thank you, year 2020 and pandemic universe. But I was out. Not actually physically outdoors for more than a few seconds, but I was elsewhere. And then when I get home... I check Hoopball Fantasy to see what I missed, because that's where you can get your news. Broken down into fantasy-relevant nuggets. They'll hit you with the important stuff. So make sure to follow that as well. It's great for... I mean, they have other stuff that pops up up there, podcasts and promos and what have you, but in general, that's a, just a news feed. So you guys should be following that. If you're following this, you should be following that. And if you're following that, you should be following this. But saying that out loud on this podcast makes... No difference at all. Let's get rolling here. Reverse chronological lightning round Monday. We start with Sunday's results, and we work our way backwards through the weekend, discussing each team's most recent basketball game to get a feel for who's doing what and if anything needed to be moved over the weekend. So, Sunday, the matinee, Boston in Detroit, second half of a rematch set, and Boston once again 
didn't take the Pistons particularly seriously. Boston committing 17 turnovers while actually playing a very clean shooting game. Shot the ball great in this one, particularly Jalen Brown, who's off to a rip-roaring start, but we know things are going to come back to earth a little bit there. So, well, I want to loop back around to Jalen here in just a second. The uh, the the main stuff in this ballgame, because Brown obviously is owned in, in every league. There, there's no point in spending too much time there. Marcus Smart looked good. Uh, Daniel Tice actually looked pretty good. Tristan Thompson played, uh, but tweaked a hamstring a little bit. Jeff Teague hurt himself, turned an ankle in this ballgame, so uh, Peyton Pritchard will probably play a few more minutes in the short term. His outlook is not very good. Uh, the the Daniel Tice-Robert Williams pairing in the front court. When Tristan Thompson sits a game, which I think we're all ex- assuming he will because it's a back-to-back tonight for Boston, those two guys become somewhat interesting streaming options. Really what you ought to do is just look at Boston's schedule and figure out when they've got those back-to-backs, and that's when you can maybe pop in a Time Lord for a game. He'll probably have a decent one tonight. Let's talk about the Pistons, and then I want to loop back to Jalen Brown. On the Pistons' side, Mason Plumley rolling along. He only played 25 minutes in this ballgame, but he was good in them, so I see no reason to uh, change anything. He's actually inside the top 60. Yeah, pretty cool, I know. We all jumped on that one pretty quick. Uh, he'll probably level off. His, his free-throw shooting is above expectations right now. Jeremy Grant, he's just getting all the usage he can handle. Blake Griffin made a surprise return in this ballgame and played uh, almost 30 minutes. He wasn't very good, but he does help orchestrate things a little bit. Josh Jackson turned his ankle and played only 14 minutes. Actually had one of his better games in only 14 minutes. DeLon Wright only played 18 minutes, and this this one confounds, confabulates, Dude should be playing, and it's just, it's so inconsistent. His playing time is so wildly inconsistent. I assume he's just got to develop a shot, and maybe that would change things for him. But unfortunately, until that happens, I was so excited about it. He he was dropped in a few leagues. I was able to scoop him up, and now he's just bouncing on and off of relevance on a night-to-night basis. So I'm okay with the drop there, and that, it hurts me to say, because he's got such a well-rounded fantasy game. But if he's not playing, then it doesn't do us any good. Looping back around to Jalen Brown. Uh, played 35 minutes in this ballgame. Not really the main concern. Scored 31 points. Had five three-pointers. Shot 81% in the ballgame on 16 shots. So he's been he's been busy. I think he's made the second most field goals in the NBA to this point. He's averaging 11 out of 19 makes per ball game. That's a 60% clip on the year so far. He's been, well, unsustainably good. I get it. Like, Jalen, listen, Jalen Brown's a good basketball player. Uh, He's one of the easiest guys in the NBA to root for because he's uh, one of the smartest people in the NBA, maybe the smartest player in the NBA. He's a Cal guy, which, you know, that tugs at the old heartstrings here. He's just good at, like, all things. People are talking about how he should, you know, run for president when he's done with his NBA career. That'd be sweet. I'd vote for Jalen Brown. But he's a career 47.5% field goal guy. Last year he was at 58, uh, excuse me, 48. The year before he was at 47, 47, 46. He's, even if he takes a small step forward this year, uh, in, in increased volume, 60% isn't holding. He's also a career 68% foul shooter, although he was about 72 last year, so it's 68% of the free throw line. That could actually tick up ever so slightly. 
Uh, defensive stats are also a bit above where you'd expect them right now. That type of stuff doesn't usually just change overnight. Last year in 34 minutes a game, he averaged 1.5 combined defensive stats. This year in 34 minutes a game, he's at 2.4. So again, even if that takes a small step forward, it ain't taking that type of step forward. His assists are also up 50% year over year. His rebounding is actually down a little bit, which isn't surprising because the Celtics are starting two big men this year after sometimes not playing any last season. So that's uh, that, I think, is probably something you can pin on personnel around him. His volume will come down if Kemba Walker ever comes back also. Until that happens, I think you can assume that the volume's going to stay pretty darn high for Jalen. So don't adjust that too much, but adjust the other stuff. So that is why when we say sell high and people are like, oh, I can't, I can't trade him right now. That's exactly when you have to trade him because Jalen Brown is clicking along right now at a second round clip and he's just not going to be that guy on a per game basis. You know, if he shows, if he's incredibly durable this year, then, you know, maybe. But last year he was number 70. He was number 70 in the regular season last year. He will level off. I, you know, maybe he does take a small step forward. Maybe he was from 70 to like 50. That's reasonable, but not 15. There's so many things he's doing right now. The extraordinarily high volume 60% shooting. I mean, this is like... You know, sort by guards last year, people that were guard and even forward eligible by the top field goal percent guys in the NBA. No one's in that stratosphere. No one's in that stratosphere. Mitchell Robinson, 74%. I mean, there are only like 15 guys that are above 60% for the year. One of them is a kid named Eric Micah, who played one game, so you can knock him out of the mix. Uh, And... Every single other guy on that list is a center. Every one of them. Last season, the highest ranking non-center eligible field goal percent guy in the NBA was Ben Simmons, who shot 58% on 11 shots a game. Highest one. Yes, there are some guys that are forward eligible in there, but those are centers. Ben Simmons. Wing. And then you get it a whole bunch of forwards and centers again. And then you get to Giannis at 55%. TJ Warren, interestingly enough, at 54%. Sort of an outlier in this whole extravaganza. DeMar DeRozan at 53%. Need you hear more? One of the other things worth noting about almost all of these guys is none of them shoot the three ball. None. And you got Jalen Brown out there right now chugging along at two and a half, three pointers a game. So unsustainable is how you find buy lows and sell highs. When you talk about buy lows are really obvious because you have proven guys who are stinking. It's really easy to see that. When you have proven guys who are overperforming, that's how you find a sell high. So Jalen Brown right now, who's ranked 15, 16, depending on what website you're looking at, he's, you know, he's he's out in front of guys like, you know, look look at some of the guys in the 30, you know, you're not going to get Seth Curry after a, or excuse me, a, uh, who am I looking at now? Sorry, that I, I confused my courage. You're not going to get LeBron, who's ranked 38th right now, for Jalen Brown. That's it's not going to happen. But look for maybe someone that was drafted in, say, I don't know, second round, who's not quite there, or maybe is there, and just slightly off pace, like uh, Vooch, who was drafted probably in third round. He's number 21 right now. You might be able to get Vooch for Jalen Brown. 
I see Dame as number 28. You're not going to be able to get Dame for him. Uh, you're not going to be able to get Trey Young. I, I think the guys you're looking for now are underperforming second rounders. That's probably your list. And the easier way to find that is actually to go to Yahoo, sort by their preseason ranks, and look for dudes that were drafted in the second round that are not playing particularly well. Um, Jimmy Butler, he's been horrible so far this year. He's averaging eight points a game, playing half of games, and then just sort of not there. DeAndre Ayton, who uh, is playing better his last couple, he's he's churning forward after two much, much better games, getting off to a very slow start this year. Uh, John Collins, I don't know if I'd recommend that one. I think you could aim higher, frankly, right now, because people are pretty soured on him. And Ben Simmons, I mean, it, like, Ben Simmons at 66, uh, not for any obvious reason, really. Ben Simmons you could get, not a guy I'm a huge fan of, but you could get him. Uh, let's see, who else is out there that's a possible match here for Jalen Brown if he does settle back towards more like a top 50 type of guy? Uh, Rudy Gobert, you could probably get. Do you want Zach Levine? He's not that much of an upgrade. Small. That's a small upgrade, if anything. Do you want Pascal Siakam, who's been a wreck, a shell of himself? Chris Paul? These are guys that are interesting targets. So go out there, go shop around, see what you can get for Jalen Brown. You might be able to aim higher even than I'm talking about right now. Not in hyper-competitive leagues, but it's slightly less ones. And it's going to... It's going to hurt when you do it, but this is how you pull off the trade. You have to make incremental jumps. And a, and a top 50 guy playing at a top 15 clip for a week and a half and blowing the roof off the place, go upgrade him to a top 30 guy. See if you can get him. You're not going to get a top 15 guy back. That's not how a sell high works. We've had a lot of questions about how to pull off trades, and everybody is overshooting. That's what always ends up happening with this stuff. You overshoot. Lakers beat the Grizzlies. Um, we had a play on the Grizzlies in this game. I swear to the good Lord, I have no feel for this team. Now, they were in it the whole way. Memphis was covering until the last two and a half minutes. And the Lakers went on a 9-0 run after Memphis cut it to, uh, I think they were down five with about two and a half minutes to go. And then the Lakers scored the next nine in a row. I mean, it was, it was, it was excruciating. The Memphis offense, they just... The Lakers didn't even try in this game, and they beat him by 14. Anthony Davis finally had six defensive stats. That will fix his fantasy value pretty quick. Wesley Matthews had a couple of good games off the bench here. I wonder if he's starting to get his legs underneath him. You might see him play more with Kentavious Caldwell-Pope out. No, I'm not interested in Kyle Kuzma, even if he's getting a starting role. If you're punting points, Marcus Gasol is actually kind of an interesting target because Montrezl Harrell can't guard anybody. So they throw him in there to get a few buckets, but he just gets picked on around the rim. Gasol now is up to, he played 24 minutes in this ballgame. And I, listen, I'm not about to tell you guys you need to go pick up Marc Gasol because he's number 163 overall on the year over the last week. He's pretty much right at that exact same number. So things aren't changing all that much for him, other than to note that his minutes are actually trending up a little bit. In fact, the 24 he played yesterday against Memphis, and maybe some of that was Jonas Valanciunas related, they can use him against the world's biggest centers. We'll see what happens you know, the next time they play a non-Memphis team, which uh, is not for another game or two because they got Memphis again. But we know what Marcus Gasol can do in all the non-scoring categories. He's, his field goal percent is terrible, but he doesn't take any shots anymore, so he doesn't score. He doesn't hit any threes. But he still can rebound. He's a hell of a passer, and he gets steals and blocks. So if you're in a punt points format... 
Marcus Gasol actually becomes kind of interesting. He's got this really mean blurb up from the guys. Roto World's blurbs are the ones that populate at Yahoo, and he's talking about how he's basically useless and and uh yeah, I mean that that he's sort of like not useful. <laughs> uh, I believe they wrote that he's done a whole lot of nothing. Um. Yeah, that's true. But again, like we have build builds. People talk about punt free throw builds. Why not punt points? Six rebounds, three assists right now, half a steal, a block. If you turn him into a punt points guy, he's actually not that awful. But again, this is this is a long way from something. Just just to, something to keep an eye on. Memphis side, they are without Jaw, without JJJ. They're a shell of themselves. Tyus Jones played relatively well. DeAnthony Melton was active but didn't get into the ball game. Brandon Clark got owned by the Lakers' front court, although at least he was starting and played 28 minutes and didn't really hurt you in too many spots. Slow-mo slowed down. Dylan Brooks was horrible. I mean, it's kind of a wonder that the Grizzlies were in this game as long as they were because they didn't play particularly well. Makes you wonder if they actually have an opportunity in this rematch. I don't know, man. That's a bad team. Really glad that that was an underplay for me this year. Washington beat Brooklyn. Told you guys the Nets were going to be a fade to start the year. When you add big superstar pieces, it takes time. It always takes time. Thomas Bryant has had it with missing shots at this point. He's been incredible lately. Bryant now up to number 56 on the season. He's shooting 67% from the field. Uh, Just 63% at the free throw line, oddly enough. But uh, eighteen and seven, I like. I didn't see this surge coming, and this was a game with Westbrook in there. Russell only had five rebounds. He let someone else grab a board. Washington shot forty-one percent and won this game because Brooklyn committed twenty turnovers. Can't do that and get away with it. Brooklyn's starting to look more like a four-horse team right now. Uh, Kyrie, KD, Joe Harris, and Jared Allen has really solidified himself. Timothy Luau Cabarro. Played a decent chunk of minutes in this game, but made most of his shots, and so you can't just expect that to happen. Karis LeVert has uh, fallen off a cliff, and you sort of knew that wasn't going to stick on a team with the guys around him. The big games he's put up have been the blowouts, and then the loss to Memphis, when I think that was the game when everybody was resting, right? Yeah, that was KD and Kyra both out in that one. He's just, he needs to be moved to be fantasy relevant. He does. He's jammed up. So I wanted to dodge that dude. Davis Bertans is a nice story. He played 31 minutes. He's starting to get his legs under him a little bit. 15 points, 6 boards, 4 three-pointers. That's on the way up. And then uh, not much else to speak of. Rui Hachimura, he can score a little bit, but not much else. And so even though the minutes are there, yeah, he'll be owned on a lot of fantasy, in a lot of fantasy leagues, but I don't know that he necessarily should be. Denver beat Minnesota. Boy, the, the Wolves are... They... Ugh, uh, Denver side... Facundo Campazzo had 15 points off the bench, limiting Will Barton's minutes, although Barton still had a, a decent fantasy line with 8, 6, and 6, a couple blocks and a couple of threes. Uh, Paul Millsap played 25 minutes. Jermichael Green played 27 minutes, and I wonder how much of that was blowout and how much of that was just the fact that he's a better power forward than Paul Millsap now. I am keeping an extremely close watch on Jermichael Green because he's actually quite good. He's played two games, played 12 minutes in the opener, 27 in this one. If he sees 20, I don't know what he needs, 24, 25 minutes, he's good to go. I don't really know 
what the plan is for Green. And obviously, Michael Porter Jr. is out for these games. So are, is, is he the guy that gets squeezed? Or is it going to end up being Millsap? Someone's going to have to get squeezed out a little bit. They didn't They didn't go particularly deep in this game. Gary Harris only played 25 minutes. P.J. Dozier played 20. So there, there aren't that many places to pull minutes from. Jokic is going to play you know, 32 to 35 as a starter most games at center. So there isn't a whole lot there. So, you know, the, the backup center minutes, that could go to Jermichael Green. He could get those 13, 14, whatever minutes Jokic rests on a given night. But he's going to need to get some chunk of power forward minutes to be fantasy relevant. So I think you probably just have to see this again with Michael Porter Jr. back. But at the same time, if you're sitting on some clunkers and you want to just squat on Jamichael Green, he's a big man who can hit the three ball and rebound and do it at a, at a decent clip. He's a very good rebounder, in fact. And, uh, you know, again, if you've if you got dead weight, just squat on him for a week and a half, see what happens. But that's asking a lot. I get it. It's asking a lot because they brought Millsap back and he'll probably be hurt soon, but he's going to play a little bit. Malik Beasley went huge on the Minnesota side. I did not see that one coming. I've been asking on the podcast, who is Malik Beasley? What's his fantasy game going to be like? And in this one, it was very good. He's number 62, actually, in nine category leagues right now. He's scoring a lot and, you know, Cat being out doesn't hurt in that department. He got his first two blocks of the year. He doesn't get many defensive stats. This game certainly helped him there. But the rebounding is up a little bit. He's about five a game. He had five assists, which is more than he had the rest of the year combined coming into this one. But he's hitting his free throws. He's hitting three balls. And he's actually shooting the ball pretty well from the field, which I think is more than we expected. So uh, fire him up, I guess. If you hadn't already, D'Angelo Russell finally had a slightly better ball game, 18-4-7, and seven, four threes, two steals, and a block. We need to see that a few times at this point. Ed Davis moved into the start. I, listen, I know Jarrett Culver had 20, but you can't trust that, dude. His percentages will kill you. Ed Davis played 24 minutes as the starting center. If he actually grabs that job while Cat is out, he's probably worth a stream, but I wouldn't dive into it. Anthony Edwards, it's going to be an up-and-down year. Ricky Rubio only playing 18 minutes, I thought was notable in this game, and... If, if that doesn't trend up, then you can move on there. I, I'm, I wouldn't suggest it yet. Give it a little bit more time, but it's, uh, it's on the table now. Utah blew out San Antonio Boyan Bogdanovich. Listen, I think we need to be more aware of the letdown spot for the bad teams when they have rematch games against very good teams. So, like, San Antonio, they went full bore against the Lakers twice, and they just had nothing left for Utah. Keldon Johnson had something left, but we'll, listen, we'll get to the Spurs in just a second. Utah side, Boyan Bogdanovich woke up with a 28 performance. Donovan Mitchell was solid with 22 and 9. No defensive stats, though, so that's a little bit of a buzzkill. Jordan Clarkson, you know, he's coasting along with his off-the-bench shooting stuff. We know he doesn't do a whole lot else so far this year. He's number 75, uh, but 50% from the field and 91 at the free throw line with uh, averaging a steal, 15-5, uh, a lot of this stuff feels like it's about to peel off a little bit, especially when you consider the fact that he's, he's never shot better than 46% over an entire season in his career. He's also an 81-82% free throw shooter, although he did get better last year, so maybe that sticks. He's also never averaged even close to one steal a game in this many minutes. He got to a steal a game in 30-some-odd minutes with the Lakers way the hell back, 
But at 23 minutes a game, that one steal is coming down as well. So this is actually a sell high for Jordan Clarkson, although I can't imagine anyone in your league is even paying attention to Jordan Clarkson. Royce O'Neal had another good rebounding game, and that's sort of where he derives his value. He's number 162 in nine-category leagues, but he's actually kind of a uh, punt points guy also. He's averaging six and a half points, but he is at 1.7 threes, eight rebounds, one and a half steals, low turnovers. We'd love to see some more defensive stats from a guy who's in there to rebound and play defense. Uh, but again, he's he's not he's not really dead weight in the way that you'd expect if you're working on sort of one of those weirdo builds. San Antonio side, uh, by the way, there were uh, I don't care about the rest of the stuff on the Utah side. Spurs. They, they rested their guys early, but I got to talk about Rudy Gay a little bit here. He took another 10 shots in this ballgame. He had 10, 3, and 2 with three defensive stats and two three-pointers. He's right outside the edge of the top 100 on the year in nine category leagues, and that, mind you, is including, uh, well, I guess I shouldn't mention anything else. That is including a 21-minute performance in the opener where he was actually pretty good. His minutes have been pretty consistent. With and without LaMarcus Aldridge, it hasn't changed almost at all for him. It seems like they want him in the ballgame more this year. And what I'll note right now as well for Gay, who's at 108 in nine cap, by the way, in 24 and about two-thirds-ish, 24 and a half minutes per game, he's shooting just 40% from the field, 39 actually, and 78% at the free throw line. These are areas where he is generally a big help to your fantasy team, Last year, he shot 88% of the free throw line. Career 45 46%er from the field. His number of three-pointers is way up this year, but he's only shooting 27% from downtown. So he's actually due for a positive regression, a reversion to the mean in both percentages, although I would also note that his blocks will probably come down from 1.3 for ballgame. That, that won't stick as high. Uh, Rudy Gay is actually a nine-category guy right now. Just outside the top 100 is startable in most 12-team leagues. Keldon Johnson looks great, doesn't he? Wow. Clippers opened up a giant lead over the Suns. They ended up hanging on 112-107. Paul George looks well locked in. This is why he was one of our favorite second-round picks this year. He's number 10 in nine-category leagues, shooting 51% from the field. That won't stick. But also 4.6 turnovers probably won't stick. He's just going to have a big year. We knew that was going to happen. Nick Batum was decent. At some point, Marcus Morris uh, Sr. is going to be coming back, and that'll blow up this whole thing. Clippers got stuff from unlikely sources because Kawhi Leonard had, this might be his worst game of the year. Zubats 4-4-4 four, four, and four in 23 minutes. 23 minutes should be enough for him. Wasn't in this one, uh, but he's a guy that's still not a must-start dude, but I do think he's must-own if he's playing this many minutes. Got to get him over the hump somehow. Clippers didn't rebound in this game very much, and yet somehow they prevailed because nobody missed any shots for the first, like, three and a half quarters. DeAndre Ayton waking up. Chris Paul settling in. Devin Booker starting to settle in a little bit. Dario Saric played really well in his 17 bench minutes, which um, didn't really come from the usual guys. Mikhail Bridges slowing down, not surprisingly. Still had uh, a three ball and a couple of blocks, but... You knew he wasn't going to shoot like 65% forever. And then uh, Jay Crowder, who, you know, if he's not getting a bunch of three-pointers up, his value shrinks fast. 
He's still he's right on the cusp. He'll be right on the cusp probably all season long. Dallas, without Luka Doncic, couldn't get a win in Chicago. They almost caught him napping a little bit. Bulls woke up uh, midway through this ballgame. They were able to pull away a little bit. Jalen Brunson, monster game with no Luka. He is a very clear short stream if you need one. Maxi Kleba got 29 minutes in this ballgame. That was notable because it's the first time any big man in Dallas has actually played enough to be fantasy relevant. The expectation here is that Dwight uh, Powell will probably rest, and so maybe Kleba gets another good one under his belt. Chicago side, Otto Porter, 29 minutes, 15-7-2-2. He's been good, man. There's no denying that Otto Porter has been very good so far this year, and he's just been slowly ramping into it. Now at 25 minutes a game, he's number 64 in nine category leagues. I love it. I love it. He was one of those guys where we just kept hammering it, even when everybody said we were dumb. Kobe White, 23 and uh, seven rebounds, but only four assists, no defensive stats. That's going to be a thing for him probably all season long. Patrick Williams, six and five with three steals and two blocks. Love the defensive stats, like the 28 minutes. Not sure that you can trust him on a night-to-night basis. Again, kind of fits more of a punt points build at this point. There are a lot of those guys floating around. Maybe this is the year for punt points. Daniel Gafford played better than Wendell Carter Jr. Got a lot of should I drop him questions. The answer is no. For Wendell Carter Jr., it's going to be one of those years where his value bounces from game to game. He's number 209 right now, largely because his free throw percent is uh, tanking your team and his defensive stats haven't been there at all. Those will come up. He's playing enough minutes to be a top 100 center, so I don't think I would drop him... And he hasn't been dropped in any of my leagues yet, so I, I I don't think that I would drop them in yours either. And in the late game, Portland got a huge one out of Ennis Cantor. Big ones from CJ and Dame, but it wasn't enough because Steph Curry went for 62. Woof. Kelly Oubre, good game. 17-5, two steals and a block on good percentages. He's uh, he's coming, man. Here it comes. Andrew Wiggins played well again. Uh, but missed a, uh, a handful of free throws, and that'll hurt you. And then nobody else was worth writing home about, although Draymond Green, he changes that team when he's healthy. They're very different. Steph in particular. On the Portland side, uh, Yusuf Nurkic, he looked a little better in this ballgame, but still only logged 23 minutes. There's just, he's not right yet. He'll get there, but his buy low tag is just getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. See what it would take to get Nurk. See what it would take to get Rob Covington. He's been cold to start the year. Two steals in this one, a couple of three balls. He'll be fine. Only two rebounds. Ennis Cantor took all the rebounds. So did C.J. McCollum. It's a weird game. Basketball's a weird game. Opponents have a lot to do with it. Everything in Portland's going to to find itself. Everybody's clowning on Portland. Nobody's clowning on Brooklyn. This is the same kind of thing, you know? When you reintegrate or just initially integrate, if you're Brooklyn, big pieces, especially if like a guy like Nurk, who's not himself, things are just weird. The Blazers still aren't guarding anybody. It's been a problem for a couple of years now. You would think that a guy like Rocco could help with that in some regard, but these things take time. That team is just loaded up with buy lows. Let's turn the clock back to Saturday. Sacramento at Houston. James Harden sat that one out. Christian Wood's been incredible so far this year. And, uh, you know, I don't see any reason why he's going to slow down. All- he's number nine right now. He's probably not going to be a first-rounder all year long. 3.3 combined defensive stats, averaging 24 and 11. Yeah, that probably doesn't quite stick. 
But he's going to be very good, and he really does look like a top 30 kind of guy. So he'll probably beat his already buzzy ADP. That's hard to do. John Wall looks really good in his first two games also. Uh, the field goal percent won't stay that great all season long, but he gets steals, he gets blocks, he misses free throws, he turns the ball over. He's going to be an 8-cat wonder, and he's going to be iffy at times in 9-cat. Eric Gordon, he'll be good while James Harden is out, seemingly, because there's enough shots for him then, but we know what happens to Gordon when Harden is back around. Boogie played only 11 minutes in this ballgame. If you were expecting him to play a bunch of minutes right out of the shoot, you were a crazy person because he hasn't played meaningful actual minutes in almost two years, really. Like, it's it's been forever for that dude. So if you drafted him, you got to hang on a little bit longer just to see how it shakes out. And if you didn't, he's probably going to start getting dropped. We'll see. I'd pick him up, squat on him, see what happens. Rashawn Holmes, he's, I mean, he's going to be great this year. Harrison Barnes had another decent ball game. It really won't last. It won't. We know enough about him. Buddy Heald was cold. Darren Fox was cold. Marvin Bagley was benched late in this ballgame, and it's created a firestorm. Darren Fox's dad, the Bagley crew, everybody's asking the Kings to trade him, which, honestly, if Luke Walden's going to use him like this, they should trade him because they played Corey Joseph over Bagley down the stretch in a game where they were just slowly being pushed away, and Luke just kept sticking with the same lineup. Luke Walden's a terrible head coach. He's terrible with the Lakers. He's terrible with Sacramento. I don't know why he doesn't get crushed more he should uh not too much from a fantasy standpoint I, you know you don't make revaluations on houston with no james harden in there and then with sacramento we know rashawn holmes is going to be great we know healed and fox are going to be solid and then barnes will be on the outside bagley's you hope he can get things figured out a little bit here but you know you're going to need some steals and or blocks something He's probably a hold for me at this point. Thunder beat the Magic revenge game. Darius Baisley, big double-double. George Hill's been terrific this year, and he got 27 and a half minutes in this ballgame. That's way more than enough for him to be a fantasy asset this year. Al Horford, 12-6-4, blocking a couple of three-pointers. That's what you should expect out of Big Al. Quietly decent lines across the board. Lou Dort had a little trouble with his shot, did get a steal block and a three-ball to salvage things. And then Shea... He may end up becoming a buy low. Here's the problem. Somebody spent a truckload on him. He's ranked 131 after their first five ball games, but the minutes are there. Shot attempts probably aren't as high as we had expected them to be. The free throw percent is down. Everything is down because he's trying to figure out how to be the man. It's hard, you know? Played 34, almost 35 minutes a game last year, averaged 19 Six and three with a steal, 0.7 blocks, 81 free throw, 47 field. Yeah, I mean, you it's very safe to call him a premier by low guy. But the reason that we don't is that somebody paid through the nose. Somebody probably spent a second round pick on this dude. And it's going to be really hard to pry him away because whoever drafted Shea probably was, was hunting Shea. There's a strong correlation there. If you drafted him, you were probably hunting him. And it's going to take a lot to, to snag him. Um, maybe Jalen Brown is your guy there. Ceiling's a lot higher for Shea than it is for Jalen Brown. Mainly because better free throw shooter. Better steals and blocks guy. Should be a better assist guy this year. He has been so far. Seven assists a game. 
Go for that ceiling. Understand that field goal percent, free throw percent, steals, blocks, those things are all going to come back where they belong. He's about 1.8 to 2 combined steals and blocks. You give him starters minutes. Not 1.2. The assists are up because he's the lead guy. Free throw percent is down because he's tired. Field goal percent is down because he's figuring out what the hell his job is now. Buy low. Do something that hurts when you do it. I love George Hill. I love George Hill. Can't talk enough about him right now, but uh, we will. Uh, Nick Vucevic, 30-13. and 13. Terrence Ross had 26. Bigger role this year for T. Ross. That's why he was a D-bomb special. Good to see Aaron Gordon get up to 28 minutes in this ballgame as he ramps up his minutes cap. I see good things for him. He had five assists to start to run the offense through him a little bit more. That was a big deal late last year. There are no ads and drops on that team. I don't know why we're hanging around on him for so long. New York beat the Pacers. Another revenge game on Saturday. Mitchell Robinson, 29 minutes. He had 16-9 and a couple of blocks. R.J. Barrett played 42 minutes in this ballgame. 42. That is a big, big number. And he puts up very interesting popcorn stats. He had 25 points, 5 boards, 3 assists, 4 three-pointers. Actually shot the ball well, only had one turnover. This was a good game for him. No steals or blocks. But on the year, even though he's averaging 17-7 and almost 4, he's outside the top 180. Because he's shooting 38% from the field, 79 at the free throw line, and he gets no defensive stats, and only one three-pointer a game. Don't buy it. Austin Rivers is actually going to be helpful for this team. They need a little more pop. Alec Burks coming back will be helpful also. Alfred Payton, 19-8-5, and, and somehow didn't have a good fantasy game. No threes, no steals, no blocks. Poor percentages. Well, eh, field goal percent was fine there. Three turnovers. But he's a starting point guard, so he needs to be on a fantasy team. He just has to. I can't bring myself to start him, even on the teams where I have him, because I'm just, I'm petrified. He's going to walk out there and go one for four at the free throw line, and then the other stuff just doesn't really make up for that. Nerlens Noel got 17 minutes, four and six with a steal. He made both field goal attempts. Believe it or not, 17 minutes is actually enough for Noel. And so here's the thing. He's going to be a massive disappointment this year. It's looking more and more like that is unquestionably the case. Um, but what he is, what he can still do is what he did last year, which is an 18 and a half minutes. He was number 83 in nine cat league, super low turnovers, great defensive stats, uh, great field goal percent, not a terrible free throw number for a big man. And then you just like, you're punting everything except for defensive stats, field goal percent and turnovers. And that's where he can squeeze out fantasy value. And he can do that again in 18 minutes again. Problem is, I think we all drafted him thinking, this dude's going to get 22 minutes a game on this team, and that's probably just not happening. Pacers, it's looking more and more like Justin Holiday, and uh, that was that was the guy that I think we suggested on this pod as a, the potential pickup, because Aaron Holiday, even though he's starting, his job is just not, it's not there. You know, the reason he got big minutes last year and did stuff as a starter, that was when Michael Malcolm Brogdon and Victor Oladipo were out, and he was able to run the offense. It's not his job right now. Justin Holiday, he slots in beautifully as the alongside the other dudes player who knocks down four three-pointers, gets you a steal, gets you a block, doesn't do much else, does it on pretty good percentages generally for someone who takes mostly outside shots. Played 29 minutes, 28 and a half minutes in this ballgame. Justin Holiday is unquestionably not going to get the love he deserves as a potential fill-in. He's number 119 right now, and he's really only had one true fill-in game 
in a non-blowout at least, for T.J. Warren. But he's played decent minutes throughout the year to this point. He's ranked 99 by totals, for whatever that's worth, because he played all six of their games. He's, he's shown himself to be quite durable. Um, I think he should be owned in, in most 12-team leagues. If your 12-team league is even marginally competitive, he should be on a team. I don't know why my internet suddenly just chunked out on me here. Let's let's get Justin Holiday back up mid-podcast so this all makes sense. Uh, he's really not particularly heavily owned in fantasy leagues either, and he probably should be. Who the heck was the other guy we were talking about? Oh, right, Royce O'Neal if you're in a punt points league. You don't need to be punting things with Justin Holiday. You just need to be in a nine-cat. Eight-cat, nah, not so much. Charlotte and Philadelphia, they'll play again today. Terry Rozier who is uh, having a wonderful start to his season. Terry Rozier has, uh, he's been great to this point. And he was, I think he was a hoop ball six guy. Number 44 after being drafted very late, averaging 23, three and three. Yeah, that'll come back. He's not going to be at that the whole season, but he's going to be good enough. I'll probably settle back into that 80 range if I had to guess. Although maybe he just got a little bit better this year. Gordon Hayward, solid in this one. Bunch of defensive stats. Don't expect that out of him. LaMelo Ball had six defensive stats in this ball game, And that's notable because, you know, you guys know I hate rookies and rookie point guards are absolutely no exception. But if he's going to get, if he's going to get you two plus defensive stats per game, that makes up for the fact that his field goal and free throw percent are probably going to be horrible. He and his brother have almost the exact same stat line so far this year. It's, it's borderline remarkable. Uh, looks like they're, they're starting to turn things over to him a little bit though. God, that's a lot of ball handlers on Charlotte and they just have no functional big men on that team. Miles Bridges. He's a hold for now. PJ Washington. I'm pretty much out on. I, I, his percentages are, are terrible. I gotta go back to that fantasy butterface term we used last week. Bridges. You can buy a little more time. Tobias Harris. Best game of the night. Seven defensive stats, four three-pointers. Good Lord, how good has Toby been? He's number 11 in nine-cat league so far. First rounder. God, kills me that you guys all took him before he could fall to me. Gotta stop playing fantasy with people that listen to the podcast. That one hurts my heart. Seth Curry's been great. Ben Simmons, this is one of his better games so far this year. Joel Embiid, one of his quieter games so far this year, but they really didn't need much. They just spanked him early and then held him off. Shake Milton was solid in a blowout. That's pretty much where he's been solid so far this year. Danny Green has uh, shown signs of life, but the reason I'm not more excited is that you might as well just go get Justin Holiday if you were going to pick up Danny Green. He's number 164. He doesn't take enough shots. Move along. Much as I do love the old man fantasy game, even that one is actually too boring even for me. Chris Boucher saw big minutes against a big New Orleans front court, which was kind of interesting. Maybe that's... It, was it a hot hand thing? Possibly. He had a big ball game. 24-5. Uh, three defensive stats. Good percentages in this one. 9 of 9 at the free throw line. Like, this is why you just have to sort of hang on and, and ride it out with Boucher. He's too interesting not to. He's inside the top 60 while bouncing between playing 5 minutes and 30. He's basically had two great games. Two meh games and one god-awful game. And that's averaged out to a fifth round value so far so absolutely you just sit on him and you enjoy it and you try not to watch 
On the games when it stinks, you just forget about them and move on to the next one. Van Fleet, he's been great. Lowry's been great. Ananobi's been great. Pascal Siakam's been horrible. Norman Powell's been horrible. You're not dropping Siakam because you probably spent a third rounder on him. Powell is close to a drop. He's been a little bit better last couple of ball games. I think you've got to give him a tiny bit more leash because if he really does stick in that 24 to 27-minute range, that would be enough. But we need to see a little bit more. Is he coming around? Maybe. Eric Bledsoe was great on the New Orleans side. Kind of had his little coming-out party with his new team. Uh, and then the rest of that team is pretty pretty easy to handicap. Josh Hart had a, a rougher shooting night, but he rebounds so damn well at that shooting guard spot. You got to use him. Zion's going to kill you. He's going to kill you all year long. He doesn't get defensive stats. He doesn't shoot threes. He's murder at the free throw line. That dude should never in a million years have been drafted as early as he was drafted. He's outside the top 200 right now, doing far more damage to your fantasy team than whatever he produces. Even if you're in a punt free throw build, he's still not particularly useful, although he does get close in that spot. Good Lord. So, I mean, yeah, who didn't see that one coming? Cleveland caught Atlanta with their pants down. Atlanta coming back home after the two games with Brooklyn, and they just sort of fell asleep in the third quarter of this one. Colin Sexton's been great. Larry Nance has been great. JaVale McGee popped off in this one for uh, 14-9, and two steals and a block, missed a bunch of free throws. He was just playing well. This is a, a, a case where he was just, it was part of a unit for Cleveland that was getting them back in the ball game. But this is still JaVale McGee. One thing to note, it does look like they want him around 16 minutes per ball game. That's not That's not quite enough. It's close because we know he can rack up blocks in a hurry, and he's only at one this year in 17 minutes. He actually generally goes a little higher than that in 17 minutes a game. If for some wacky reason that number trended up towards 18, 19, or 20 minutes, he would be an ad then, but not 16. And you're never going to know when these types of games are going to happen, where the unit he's playing in is just going to be playing well, and so he's going to get to hang out on the floor a little bit longer. Conversely, of course, Andre Drummond was awful in this game. His unit was getting thumped, and so he did come back in late, but you're going to get a bad Andre Drummond game if the second unit is the one that, that plays well for Cleveland. For Atlanta, we still don't have a timetable on Gallo that sounds like it's still a week or two away, so DeAndre Hunter is just going to coast along until that happens. This was just kind of an ugly game for the Hawks. Clint Capella was good, though. Trey Young, he, he double-doubled, but he wasn't really. His head wasn't in it. John Collins' head wasn't in it. Bogdan Bogdanovich was bad. Kevin Herter double-doubled. That was surprising. Um, and, yeah, so, like, Hunter and Capella were kind of the two guys on Atlanta that were somewhat awake for this game. I'm excited about Capella, though. 31 minutes. The minutes cap is off for that dude. I know he missed all five free throws, which is a just a crushing disaster of a free throw trip. But 16 and 16 with five defensive stats. The 16 and 16 is not that crazy. 12 shots for him is not that crazy in that Atlanta offense. This is a game where the offense wasn't really working. He's going to be dominating the boards. Dominating them. The blocks will be there. I mean, he does get close to a steal as a starter. And then, you know, we know the free throws are bad, but let's hope they're not 0%. This could end up being actually a really big year for Capella. I thought, look, I, I, I'll i admit, I thought he was going to take a small step back 
He was number 26 before his injury last year, averaging 14 and 14 in 33 minutes a game with the Rockets. He could actually get close to that this year because 10 shots a game is quite doable for him in in this offense. And so the rebounds are definitely doable if he's out there for that many minutes in this with the pace they want to play. That's just good. I thought his minutes would take a big hit. I thought he'd be in that 27-28 range. But if they really want to get him up and over 30, you could be looking at a top 35 per game guy that was probably drafted in the 60s. That ended up working out well. He was still there for me in one of my drafts where I had no intention of taking him, and he was just sort of hanging around. I think it was like late 60s, something like that. I thought, well, all right, well, screw it. Like I got I to gotta take him here because he's going to beat that a little bit, right? Well, I might beat that by more. That was a little lucky. Good fortune. Fortune smiles upon thee, who accidentally end up with Clint Capella. Did anybody play on Friday that didn't play over the weekend? I don't think so. We're running a little bit long here on our reverse chronological lightning round. We still have a Monday card to break down. Sheesh. I think Miami and Milwaukee were the two teams that played on Friday that didn't play over the weekend, if I'm remembering that properly. I might be missing one, but those are the ones that I'm going to look at. Miami had a terrible game in Dallas. I assume they'll bounce back in their next one. Kelly Olynyk's been actually playing quite well so far this year. I, I don't... We've been down the Kelly Olynyk roller coaster before, and it always ends the same way with him being good for two weeks and then just vanishing for unknown reasons. Myers Leonard somehow getting reinserted or someone like a Chris Silva just pops back up. It's... It's super weird. It's super unpredictable with Spo. Uh, Mo Harkless could end up just getting more minutes all of a sudden here. And so I don't know. I don't know what sticks. But we do know that Olenek is very good at fantasy basketball when he plays decent minutes. And so I think you probably just have to add him. And I don't know. Would I ever have the, the stones to actually start him? Uh no, probably not. Probably too nervous. But he's, like, if he's playing this many minutes, he's an ad. And then with Milwaukee, I think you're going to see Bobby Portis get added in a bunch of spots. But, listen, Bucks just playing a lot of blowouts. If they don't play a blowout, Portis won't be a thing. Can't believe I'm looking at Kelly Olynyk. What a ridiculous, what a ridiculous time. What an absolutely positively ridiculous time. Kelly Olynyk is back on the board. But you know what? So is Rudy Gay and, and George Hill's having a great year. So anything is possible. If What if this is the year? That's the thing. Like, we've been burned so many damn times. What if this is the year that Kelly Olynyk finally gets minutes? It won't be. There's a 99% chance that it won't be. He'll always level off to that same mark where he'll play 26, 27 minutes for four or five games in a row, and then he'll play 12 minutes for a week or two. It's totally crazy, but damn, the dude has serious fantasy game. Always has. Threes, steals, blocks, rebounds, points, assists. He does it all. He just doesn't play enough. Played 20 minutes in their opener, right? Nothing. Then he's had three good ones in a row. Four steals, five blocks over those three games. Not scoring a ton, but six three-pointers. You, I think you, you have to throw him at the end of your bench and just... See what happens. Yeesh. Guys, go check out our buddies over at mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag. Use promo code HOOPBALL when you sign up. It unlocks a 50% deposit match bonus. 
And also, let me know. I mentioned this last week. If you sign up with promo code HOOPBALL and let me know, I may have a prize for you. I have more of them earlier in the week, so this is actually a good time to do it if you're thinking about signing up. MyBookie.ag. Also, I got to shout out my guys at MyBookie because, because the NFL Survivor Contest, which was completely free, had a $50,000 prize. Completely free. I entered it. You, you were able to start in week two because I don't think most people were paying attention to week one. I entered it in week two, and I made it. Thank you to the folks in, in the world of Twitter for helping walk me through some of that stuff. I had a lot of questions about it because I don't follow the NFL all that well. And guess what? I made it. I survived the last 16 weeks of the NFL season. Unfortunately, some three, 400 other people did also. But that's still, I think I'm going to win about 125, 150 bucks, something like that. For doing nothing. I didn't even have to bet. I put $0 on the line, and I think I'm about to get just like a $125 dump into my account. That's not, that's not promo bucks. Those are cash. So shout out to my guys at MyBookie for having sweet contests that I was able to enroll in. All I had to do was have made a deposit, which of course I did because I'm betting on all sorts of other stuff. They got contests rolling all the time. A lot of them are, are NFL related. I would assume that others pop up from time to time. I don't pay super close attention to it, but you know what? This is what I tell you guys. All these things are going all the time. They had those odds boosts where we've won like four or $450. This Survivor Contest, I'm about to put another $100, $150 in my pocket. These are no-risk things that since we've been working with MyBookie, which is now some, I don't know, five months or so since we, we rekindled with a bubble, basically, that we got back together with them in the bubble, I think in those five months, they're basically giving me like $100 a month for nothing to play odds boosts and contests. That's absolutely stellar. MyBookie.ag, promo code is HoopBall. Please make sure to use that when you sign up. Let them know who sent you. Also unlocks, again, some of those promos if you want to use them. The other promo I want to talk about on today's show is, of course, back over at HoopBall. Uh, the Discord chat, guys, you got to get in there. If you're a subscriber already and you're not in the Discord chat, and I think people hear the word Discord, and they're like, you know, futuristic computer noise short circuits their brain. It's just a fancy chat room. It's just a chat room that I have set up with some of our other great hoopball guys. Santino, Steve, have helped, and Eric have helped me a lot with set up on that thing. Uh, and there are rooms. And full-season fantasy players have access to some rooms. And DFS guys have access to rooms. And wagering folks have access to rooms. And it's just where the best of the best come together to discuss whichever one of those things I was talking about just a moment ago. Uh, we have live chats with the pros every day, DFS and full season side. The wagering guys are just in there all day long. Devin's in there all day. I'm checking it out. Troy's in there all day. It's it's just awesome. It's just an opportunity for you guys to get access, premier access to the pros, the experts here, the people that spend their whole day analyzing this stuff at HoopBall. So if you're a subscriber already, please do hit me on Twitter, at Dan Baspers, to get yourself into that Discord channel. We sent out join codes by email, but a lot of you guys don't even read the emails we send out from HoopBall. So if you dodged the email, just hit me on Twitter, at Dan Baspers. Let me know, hey, I'm a subscriber. I want that Discord join code, and I'll help you out there. If you're not a subscriber, first of all, there's a thousand reasons to do so, but I'm highlighting Discord today. Wager Pass, DFS Pass, Fantasy Pass, whatever you want to get in on, 
Discord channels are open for you. Wager Pass, $9.99 a month. And you're getting like 15 plays a day right now from the team, which is absolutely insane. That is the lowest price on any wagering package I've ever seen in my life. Fantasy Pass is $4.99 a month. $4.99 a month. That's our full season fantasy package. DFS Pass is $1.99 a month. What kind of idiot <laughs> set that price? That's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, $1.99 a month. All of those things have access to the Discord. Go to hoop-ball.com, click on the premium tab, and get yourself a subscription today. Let's talk about the Monday card. We got a big one coming up tonight, but we want to move through it at a pretty good clip here because we're already 55 minutes into the dang podcast. Charlotte, rematch time in Philadelphia. Not much on the fantasy side we're watching here. Bismack Biombo somehow is still playing starters minutes, but ugh, so gross. Uh, people are, we're watching LaMelo Ball, I suppose, see if he can really can get consistent this early in the year. That would be a big surprise, not one that I would have seen coming. Uh, on the betting side, Charlotte's the lean in the revenge spot. Philly picked him apart in the last ball game. You don't think the Sixers are going to sort of half-butt this one? Cleveland, Orlando, nothing. Fantasy-wise, nothing. Nothing at all. I got nothing in this ballgame. Magic favored by five. Yeah, that's probably pretty reasonable. They're a better team. They need to bounce back. We'll see what happens. New York in Atlanta. Do the Hawks bounce back in this ballgame after the letdown spot against the Cavaliers in their last one? Uh, potentially. New York, we'll see if Alec Burks is playing. We'll watch the minute split at center as per usual. On the Atlanta side... Not a whole lot to pay attention to now that Clint uh, Capella's back in there and, and chugging along, but uh, we'll see if Kevin Herter misses any time and if that opens things up for you know Bogdan. Maybe he gets going a little bit. Boston and Toronto. Oh, uh, yeah, we did, we did betting stuff on that. I, I haven't talked much about the totals on these games. I don't have super strong feelings about it. Toronto's favored by 4.5 with a total of 218. This number has moved up uh considerably it was toronto by two and a half last night thank goodness i put those plays into our wager pass before this number bounced that's now uh, a big save this is a playoff revenge game i'm also inclined to think that uh well we just just get news that marcus mart is questionable and then we know a couple of celtics sit on back-to-backs but to me that's not enough to move a line two points on its own um uh, so lean to toronto although at four and a half that's a that's a tough one to get down on. Total of 218. Uh, I've got to think that that Toronto is going to hold Boston in check. That's the thought here. Maybe you see the Jalen Brown cool-off game. Miami by nine over Oklahoma City. That's a big number against the Thunder team that has actually been competing pretty well so far this year. I think the Heat play better after getting undressed by Dallas in their last ball game. but I can't lay nine. I can't lay nine when a team like the Thunder is actually really busting it. They're busting it. They're playing hard. They're competitive every game. Maybe it's high for a reason. I don't think so. Pelicans, uh, one and a half point favorite over the Pacers. Oh, uh, fantasy-wise, you know, we're, we just talked about Miami a second ago. Kelly Olynyk is somebody to watch. Oklahoma City, the whole starting lineup is somebody to watch. For Toronto, Norman Powell, Pascal Siakam, guys to watch. Boston, you've got your fill-in dudes on the back-to-back. Pacers Pels, not a whole lot going on there from the fantasy perspective. Should be a good ball game. I, I can't wait. I'll watch this one. This is gonna be a fun one. Milwaukee, 16-point favorite to the Detroit Pistons. Uh, they're gonna have to win by a lot. You know, simple analysis. Thank you, John Madden. This basically has to be a blowout to cover that type of number, but it very well could be. Milwaukee hasn't played since Friday. Detroit has played twice. 
in that stretch. Uh, Friday and Sunday against the Celtics, two big ones. They were good in both. This is just ripe for a Detroit just assumes they're going to get smoked and then move on to the next one. I'm not touching it. I might go under if you think Detroit doesn't break 95 points. Milwaukee might score 130 by themselves. Houston, four-point favorites to Dallas. Uh... That, I think, would have been a bigger number if James Harden was playing. I, I, I assume that number is built with Harden out because I think we also don't know if Luka's playing. So you miss them both. Ah, probably lean Houston. That's a weird one. You might go over, although Dallas probably plays slower without Luka and Houston plays faster without Harden. I'll leave it alone. Sacramento, two-point favorites in Golden State. That number is probably going to scream weird. Uh, Golden State's on the back-to-back off Steph Curry's gigantic, gigantic performance. Slightly to Sacramento. I think they get it pulled back together in this ballgame. And it's, you know, a short line like that. If you can pick the winner, you probably get the ball game. I can't think Steph goes at quite as insane uh, in the back-to-back. Just so much emotion yesterday, and then there's going to be this fat letdown in this one. Total of 234.5, I would look at the under in that one if you think uh if you think that the Warriors are gonna have a tough time shooting the basketball fantasy wise in those last two ball games we didn't really talk I'm not gonna talk fantasy about Detroit Milwaukee because it's probably gonna be a massive blowout Dallas fill in guys Houston you know you I guess the minutes for Boogie is something to monitor see if those slowly start to creep up with Sacramento Marvin Bagley what's going on there there's so much drama all of a sudden does that galvanize or does it splinter the Kings and with the Warriors, uh, Draymond Green, as you reintegrate him and Kelly Oubre's by low window, probably getting close to being shut. An hour. We went an hour, guys. I talked to myself for an hour. Let's get this bad boy wrapped up. Again, please do check out all the sweet subscriptions we've got over at Hoopball. It would mean a lot to me if you guys would uh, get one of those and join us in the Discord. Hit me up if you're not in the Discord already. Hit me up if you've got questions. I'm trying to get to a lot of them on Twitter these days. At Dan Bespris once again is the Twitter handle. And again, mentioned it last week, we have one spot opening on the DFS side. So hit me up if you want to get in the mix for that one. Uh, we may be filling that internally, but would love to get it if, uh, if you guys could throw your hats into the ring. We'll see how that goes uh, on that front. Thank you once again to my bookie. Thank you to manscaped.com for their continued partnership. Promo code there is hoopball20. Again, sign up at my bookie. Don't miss the next contest, guys. I keep telling you about them, and you guys keep missing them. Promo code hoopball. Fantasy NBA Today, name of the show, Dan Vespers, name of the host. We'll be back at you Tuesday morning. So long, everybody. Enjoy the day. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.